We are in the Pay It Forward series. And how many guys know that we have to concentrate on and pay attention to uh, and acknowledge that whatever Christ has bestowed on us, whatever Jesus has given to us, we have a responsibility and we should have a desire to turn and now give that back to the world around us, right? To our friends, to our coworkers. So the Pay It Forward series has been awesome. And we're going to wrap up today with grace. Everyone say grace. Wow. Everyone try that again. Say grace. Grace. Okay, very good. Everyone's awake. We just want to make sure. Before we get into it, you know how I like to roll. I like to laugh. So I like to make other people laugh. And if you don't laugh at my jokes, then you're not good at laughing and I'm better at joke telling. Anyways, moving on. We want to look at some pictures. Uh, Memes. Anybody like memes? Check this one out, right? Uh, This is a pickup line. I was reading through the book of Numbers and I realized I didn't have yours. Right? Yeah. All the ladies are like, don't ever do that to me ever. Teens, you know how this feels, right? When church is over and you're trying to leave, but your mom keeps talking, right? Yeah, exactly. When is lunch, right? When you realize the armor of God has no pants, right? Hmm. Moving on. Some of you guys, we haven't got to that scripture yet. Uh, when the worship group sings songs you don't know, right? What is this music? Moving on. Uh, and this is uh, more centered on today, when you want to uh, throat punch somebody, but you're getting right with the Lord. Amen? So, Jesus, help me in this job. Anyways, moving on. And that is why that one is last, because God knows some of us need grace. Amen? And so, we want to talk to you today about grace. Go ahead and get out your notes if you have them with you. And so, we're paying it forward today with grace. Uh, So what is grace? I think we need to talk about what grace is. Grace is the free and unmerited favor of God. How many guys have walked in, seen, and experienced God bestow grace on you in a way that you did not expect, you know you don't deserve, but yet the abundant grace of God in your life continues to be poured out immeasurably in ways that you're sitting here going, man, I know I don't deserve this, but praise God, I've got it. Amen. So good, we're in the right house. (coughs) Excuse me. Has manifested, the free and unmerited favor of God has manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowal of blessings. And so when we see grace in our lives, we see it in two key ways. Number one, through salvation. How many of you will acknowledge if you're saved? And if you have not experienced salvation, we're gonna, you're going to get a time when you can acknowledge that you need someone to come into your life and transform it, and that person is Jesus. And if you haven't met him yet, we're going to give you an opportunity to. But the reality is this, that how many will acknowledge that one day in your sin and in your filth and in my sin and in my filth and in where I was in my sinful nature and I was doing the wrong things, I was in the wrong places and I was having... Uh, partaking in the wrong activities, but more importantly, because I was far from God and I had no chance in the world of making it to heaven on my own, Jesus found it fit to die on a cross for me and extend grace to me when I didn't deserve it. Awesome. All five of us. So the rest of you, let's do an altar call right now. I'm just kidding. How many will acknowledge we don't deserve grace, but, but we've got it. Amen. And we worship him for that. That's why when we praise and worship, it doesn't take, we, it don't take me four songs. So I guess I'll get involved in this whole deal. No, no, no. I recognize where I was and by the grace of God, I'm not there anymore. So I'm going to give him my whole heart. Amen. So, uh, salvation. But then how many guys know that once you get saved, everything just doesn't turn to peaches, right? There's still some problems that this world brings. There's still some struggles that the 
world brings. There's still some things that we encounter that now we have to war with and we have to struggle through. And it doesn't mean that Christianity isn't good. Christianity is great. My worst day saved is still better than my best day before I met Jesus. But how many will acknowledge that things still come, right? But by the grace of God, he bestows blessings and favor on us that we can still make it through till the end. Amen. And so we've got grace for salvation. We've got grace for perseverance. I put it on Twitter the other day that that I just felt like the Lord was going to be uh, releasing a spirit of perseverance, that the the Lord was just going to be helping us with perseverance in this particular season. And man, my, my feet lit up with people just like, that's me. Like I'm in a season of my life right now where I need the Lord to just, man, I'm going to have to push through some things, but by the grace of God, we're going to come out victorious on the other side. And so um, if that's for you, grab a hold of it and just pray that the Lord would continue to give you perseverance. But we want to look at grace today. So, but in the pay it forward series, what we're talking about is that we have to extend grace, but I think we need to have the best possible understanding of grace before we can try to extend it, amen? So before we can give it, let's find out what it is for us. So how we can receive grace or walk in grace in the very first step that I want you to understand, it's on your notes, you can fill this in, is that we just have to call out. There is going to come a time in your life where things are gonna get bad enough Or will you just recognize that whatever you have isn't enough and you're going to call out to the Lord that he would extend that grace to you so that you can walk in the light that can only come from Jesus Christ? I don't know about you guys, it, 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 for me, it was rock bottom. Like I, I, I had a pretty low place in life, but some of us didn't, some of you didn't go out and do drugs and get into everything. Like, you know, some of you were just raised in Sunday school. You know, everything was cool, no problems. You know, you didn't really get into a lot of trouble. But how many of you guys will still recognize that even in that, Jesus had to do a radical transformation in your life to enable you and draw him close to you so that you could pursue after him? And to me, sometimes that's the best, the greatest stories and testimonies I hear are the people that say, man, I grew up in church. And, and when I was in church, I, I remember hearing a lot of things. And I remember hearing people talk about all the things I should do and I shouldn't do. And, 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 uh, but when I was 17 or when I was 20, the Lord radically changed my life. And I gave my whole heart to him because sometimes the worst thing you can do is have enough of God that you feel like you don't need anymore. And so I challenge you, whether, whether you're hooked on drugs today or whether you've been raised in the church, you need to have a radical life transforming experience with Jesus Christ that he would renew you and make you brand new from whoever you used to be. So do that. But we have to call out. But when we call out, it's going to require humility. It's going to require us to humble ourselves. Now, I'm the most humble guy that you've ever met. Some of y'all caught that and some of you didn't yet. No, it, but calling out to the Lord is going to require humility. Why? Because we're going to have to acknowledge, I can't do this on my own. I need some help. So grace does a couple things. Number one, God's grace is either provided for you to endure your current status. So where you are, the state that you're in, how many will acknowledge maybe some of you in life right now where you are that you're crying out that, God, I'm in this particular place and, and, and I know that this isn't necessarily from you, although you're allowing this, that you're in control, but this isn't your will for me to stay in, but you're going to give me the grace to endure this till the end so that I can come out victorious on the other side. Amen. And so some of us are in seasons where God's grace is going to be extended to us for us to endure where we are. 
But then the other side of that is that God's grace is provided by placing us in your current state, your current status, where you are. That God's grace has placed you where you are. I think the the most evident sign of that. And some of the stories that we read in the Bible today is you guys have, many of you have heard the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? The three Hebrew boys that, that got thrown into the fire. And so what happens, the king comes to them and he says, you have to bow to this statue that I built. And they were like, no, we bow to one person. We bow to one king. We bow to one God. And that's our God. That is the Holy of Holy, the King of Kings. We bow to the Lord and the Lord only. And so he comes to him and says, if you don't bow, we're going to throw you in the fire. You know, and you know what they did? They sold out. They're like, throw us in the fire. I don't, that's not really in the scripture, but that's how I read it. So like, whatever. But then, man, I like to think that they were off to the side. Like they, I, I wonder if it, which one it was, you know, maybe it was Shadrach was like, Hey guys, come here. I know Jesus is going to save us, but he is going to save us. Right? Like, <laughs> you know, like we read these stories of faith. Like they're all like, got this. Until they get huddled up in their corner, like, hey, man, like, this is going to happen, right? He's not going to let us down, you know, because it's hot. I can feel it now. It's way over there. <laughs> if that's how I read my Bible, I don't know what y'all are doing, but listen, that's, <laughs> that's how, wh- why? Because that's how I would be. That's how I am today, tomorrow. I'm crying out. Even in our, in our family circumstances, I'm going, Lord, I know you got this. I believe you. But just like Mark chapter nine, verse 23, it's like, Lord, I have faith, but I'm gonna need you to help me with that faith. Yes. I believe, but help me with my unbelief because there's still part of me that I don't know just yet. That's right. right? And so God extends grace, but he does it, number one, either to ensure that we get through where we're at but sometimes it's the grace of God that we are where we're at. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 9 says, three times I pleaded. Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, take the thing away from me that's pulling me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. So what are we saying here? What I'm telling you is sometimes the Lord puts you in positions so that you would have to walk in grace exactly where you are. Some of us are so busy trying to cry out to the Lord to get us out of the fire, we're not giving him an opportunity to get into the fire with us. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if if all they had done was cried out about how the, the Lord wasn't delivering them from the fire and how it wasn't fair, we shouldn't have to be thrown in the fire. I thought we belonged to the Lord. God, I thought you would provide for us. I thought you were this person. I thought you were that. And I don't know about you guys, but that's what some of my prayers sound like. Lord, I thought you were gonna do this. I thought you were holy. I thought you were awesome. I thought you were gonna come through for me. Here, I'm fixing to get thrown into some fire and I thought you were gonna show up. You hadn't even shown up yet. I don't know about you guys, but that's a, pretty, that's a familiar prayer for me. But sometimes we're so focused on God getting us out of the fire, we're not recognizing that God wants to give us grace and get down into the fire with us. Yeah. Stop, being, stop, stop being so concerned with God pulling you out of this journey and recognize that he's walking you through this journey. Yeah. Have you ever heard the poem, the Footprints poem? Have you ever heard that before? I really like that poem. The only thing that I don't particularly care for about the poem is it is sometimes we, and it does this to us, because of a lack of humility and how good God is to us, 
sometimes we think that we could actually make this without him carrying us the whole time. It's like, oh, we walk side by side. God's like, no, bruh, I carried you the whole time. <laughs> Even when things were going good, I still carried you then. So there's only ever one foot, set of footprints because the Lord is only ever carrying us because he's good all the time. So our accomplishments, sometimes we, we boast in our accomplishments. And so we start to think that we're awesome. And I don't know about you guys. Some, the Lord has to wreck me with this a lot. We start to think that I start to think I'm awesome. Well, I'm good at this and I'm great at that. And I'm, I've worked real hard to do this. And so I'm good at this. I'm great at my job. And so since I'm great at my job, I do this well, or I do that well, or I do this well. And we start to boast in ourselves, and we acknowledge no humility, recognizing that everything we have, everything we do strictly comes from the grace of God. Every single thing we have. As a matter of fact, I think I have a picture for how most of us feel. Is it up here? Is it there? How I feel when I fix something? Right? Why? Because we boast within ourselves. Look how awesome I am. No, 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 no. The sheer grace of God has allowed you to do whatever you do and be whoever you are. And so we have to acknowledge God's grace exactly where we are. And then for some of you, it's the sheer grace of God that things didn't work out. For some of you, you're like, Lord, you, you know, just let this work for me. Let me get this job. Let this relationship happen. Let me do this. And God's trying to tell you, I, by, the, by my grace, I'm not going to let you have that. Some of you have been crying out, Lord, just let this relationship work. God's like, no. <laughs> Ladies, <laughs> for some of you, it's the grace of God you didn't marry that fool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Fellas, you with me? Like, for, It's the grace of God you didn't marry that girl. Why? Sometimes it's God's grace not allowing us to walk into things that he knows is going to pull us away from him, pull us away from the call of God on our life, pull us away from what his ultimate will and purpose and plan is for us, right? Why? It's just like Peter in John chapter 21, and you can write that down. Read it later when you get a chance. But uh, John 21, Peter uh, comes in, so what happened? Jesus gets crucified, right? And so after his crucifixion, he's gone. Peter doesn't know what to do. He's lonely. He's wandering around. You know, he's used to walking with Jesus, you know, riding on cloud nine. Just everything's great. Jesus, all of a sudden, he's gone. And, and Peter's like, man, I don't even know what to do. You know what? I'm going to just go fishing. Because that's what he did beforehand. And he was really good at it. And sometimes that's exactly what happens in our life. Man, I'm going to just go back to doing whatever I used to do because I was really good at that. We get frustrated in the faith. We get frustrated with what God's not doing for us. I'm going to just go back to that. No, no, no. God's going to wreck you wherever you are. Because Peter goes fishing, and Peter is a professional fisherman in his boat that he knows, in waters that he knows, with nets that he knows. Any fishermen in the house? When you go to your spot, you know you're going to catch fish, right? Yes. Now, you go, to your boy, you go to your boy's spot, sitting out there for four hours, just getting sunburned for no reason. That's very frustrating. But when you go to your spot, you know you're going to catch fish, right? So Peter's going to his spot with his things, and he's catching nothing. Why? Grace. Because God said, I didn't call you to fish. I didn't call you to fish for fish. I called you to fish for men. By the grace of God, he caught nothing. 
so that he could recognize Jesus' call on his life to go back to what God called him to. And some of you are pursuing things in your life that Jesus, the Lord, has no intention for you to be successful at. Why? By grace, God's gonna bring you back to what the call of God in your life is. So you can catch nothing for years or you can catch nothing for days, but eventually you're gonna come back to the grace of God on your life. So walk it out. James 4, 6 through 8 says, God is against the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So give yourselves completely to God, come near to God, and God will come near to you. Why? Humility. Submit yourself to what God is doing and call out to him. Secondly, we have to set our minds on Christ. So the second part of grace is we have to set our minds on Jesus. My wife is a, uh, a food disciplinarian when it comes to me. <sighs> she's around here somewhere. I think she's back in the cave doing lyrics and stuff. But uh, she's a food disciplinarian, so we're on this whole thing of like trying to eat better. I see you. We're on this whole thing about trying to eat better. And, and um, see, we're different. I like food. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on, somebody. Like, uh, yeah. First guy. All of us that just said yes are joining the CrossFit small group next semester, right? No, I'm just gonna, like, no, I like food. Jenna's like, praise God. Uh, but I like food, man, I do. And so what happens is uh, whenever, at, whenever we start eating clean and eating healthier and trying to make better decisions and blah, 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 whenever we start trying to do all of that, right? That's how some of y'all feel, whatever. Um, when we start trying to do that, um, she could eat like a wedge salad with some oil and some salt and pepper. She's good, right? I'm like, you better put some steak on this lettuce and wrap it in a tortilla with some cheese and some sour cream. Come on, somebody, right? Fajitas, you know, like, <laughs> or whatever. Why? Because I have to work very hard to be that way and it don't last long, but we're working on, anyways, that's not the point. So, but what I'm getting at is this, right? When I'm walking that journey out, if I'm constantly thinking about not eating pepperoni pizza, guess what's gonna happen? I'm gonna eat some pizza. <laughs> Praise God. Why? Why? If, if all I'm thinking about is what I can't have, nope, can't have it, nope, can't have it, nope, can't have it, nope, can't have it, I'm going to have it. Why? Because I've set my mind even on the things that I can't have. But when I set my mind on the things that I can have, I set my mind on the things that I should have, I start making the best out of what I do have and start recognizing in the spiritual realm, if we bring this back home to what the Lord is doing in our lives, if I'm not focused on all the things I shouldn't be doing, I shouldn't be watching that, I shouldn't be saying that, I shouldn't be doing that, but I start recognizing and focusing on all my desires and all my focus and all my energy is strictly after becoming more like Christ. I wanna know you more, I wanna be more like you, I wanna walk after you, I wanna pursue you, I wanna know Jesus and I want Jesus to know me. If all my effort and energy is doing that, I have no time to waste with the things that I shouldn't have. So we set our mind on Christ, knowing that he'll do that. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. 
for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. In other words, you have put to, to death, you have gotten rid of that old person that desires that. And so we start pursuing Christ with this new man so that he can transform us and make us new. So, but in that, in setting our minds on Christ, one of the things that we have to recognize is that your desires and ambitions are not consumed by the things of this world. Your desires and your ambitions should not be consumed by the things of this world. In other words, if your whole goal in life, if your whole goal in what you're doing is to do something that's going to produce nothing heavenly, then you're going to work your whole life to obtain something. You're going to obtain it and have nothing to show for it. And I, I, I said that a while back. One of the, the younger generation, I'm talking like 30 and below, maybe 35 and below, I believe they're probably going to obtain everything they want in life and have absolutely nothing to show for it. I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. Nothing. Because we've made everything about what we can have. We've made everything about materials, but we have nothing eternal to show for what we have. We need to start laboring allowing our ambitions and our desires to be something that's eternal. Am I telling you not to have goals? That is not what I'm saying. I have a nice house. I have, we have nice cars. Ashley just got a new one three weeks ago or whatever. Uh, what, like we, we have things. I'm not telling you you shouldn't have ambitions. I'm not telling you you shouldn't have goals. I'm telling you your ambitions and your goals should be Christ-centered above all things. The word said, people come at me all the time and they come at me and pastor, well, Christ is gonna give me the desires of our hearts. Well, yeah, but our desires of our heart should be the desires that he places in our hearts. Because I don't know about you, my heart can lead me astray sometimes. Sometimes, what, sometimes my goals aren't Christ's goals for me. So we pursue the things that he places in our hearts to pursue after. Colossians 3, 5 says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Get rid of it. Let go of those things that are earthly in you. Pursue after heavenly things. And then the next thing, put to death those things that would take us away from our Father. You've got things in your life now that own you and don't allow you to focus on your prayer, don't allow you to focus on worship, don't allow you to focus on the Lord at all. You got things in your life, bitterness, anger, or addictions that own you, and you can't focus on the Lord because of all the things that are earthly consuming your mind. You need to let some of that stuff go and allow yourself to focus on your heavenly Father. Romans 6, 1 and 2, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? In other words, how can those of us, if we let go of that old man and we let go of that nature and we let go of those sins that owned us, how are we going to still continue to walk in that? No, no, no. We've got to kill that. We've got to let that go and move on. And then one of the things that I think is important that we understand is that we don't pursue perfection so that we feel worthy to follow Christ. We should pursue Christ and in that pursuit, allow God's perfection in us. In other words, some of you are trying to clean your act up so that you feel good enough to come to God and Jesus is saying, no, 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 come to me and I'll help you clean your act up. You don't clean a fish before you catch it. 
give your heart to the Lord and as you pursue him, as you build a relationship with him, he'll transform you. Fellas, have you ever tried to, any guys ever remember when you dated a girl? Anyone ever remember that? Like the, your very first date you ever went on a girl, with a girl? You ever remember that? No, just, okay. You guys didn't date then. <laughs> Weirdos. Uh, I remember the, I remember when, uh, when, when me, I started kind of pursuing after Ashley, man, I would try to put all the right clothes on. I would try, you know what I mean? Like dress right, do all the things. Like I would get ready for dates, you know what I mean? Um, and even more so, I would try to be the person she wanted me to be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like, man, let me look like this since this is obviously the type of cat she's into or whatever. How many of you guys know that didn't work out so well? Either she was gonna like me or she wasn't gonna like me, but I couldn't try to fake my way into this relationship. It's the same way with the Lord, people. You can fake it all you want, but eventually it's going to come down to either you're going to pursue him and, and be completely transformed or you're just not. So pursue after Christ and allow that transformation to come into your hearts, recognizing the absolute necessity of grace in our lives and walking out whatever journey we're in. So the next point in that is that we have to recognize that with grace, we just have to stand in it. With grace, we just have to stand in it. What do you mean by that? Well, Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Through him, we also have obtained, uh, we also obtained access by faith into this grace. So the first thing we want you to understand in this part of standing in grace is the reason that you have grace is just because he loves us. It's just because he loves us. God loves us so much. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that those that would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. The reason we get to stand in grace is because God loves us that much. And so Jesus saw us where we were. How many guys have been through some stuff in life, right? Just like, man, you got a good rap sheet, right? You know, like if we want to go toe-to-toe on testimony comparison time, you know what I mean? Like break out the boxing gloves because, you know, and I know some of us have been through some stuff. How many guys know that when G- the mere fact that Jesus saw us in that sin and still chose to die for us on that cross so that we could be radically transformed, brought into salvation through faith in Christ, and then all of those things taking place in our lives, the mere fact that he loved us enough that he didn't, he didn't see us what we were going to be and die for that. He saw us where we were and died for that. He saw us in sin. He saw us in shame, and he still died for us. The mere fact that he loves us gives us the ability to stand in grace. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love which, uh, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, dead in our sin, even when we were far from God, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. By grace, you've been saved. And then the next one is that we want you to understand grace doesn't rely on works. It relies on faith. Ephesians 2, 6 through 9 says that 
We were raised up with him and seated. Uh, we were raised up with him and seated with us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing; it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one could boast. So here's the deal: if faith was based on works, we would have this competition of who's the best, right? Look at me, Tarzan mentality. But God's coming and saying, no, 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 no. It's not by works at all. And I don't know about you guys, I've been a part of churches where it was like, it was like a competition for who deserves the accolades the most. But how many guys know it's not about what we can boast in. Only thing we can boast in is the sheer grace of an almighty God who extended to us what we did not deserve when we did not deserve it, yet brought us because he loved us into a salvation where we could walk out a journey, not because we're good enough, not because we're great, not because we're awesome, but because he's great and he's good enough and he's awesome. He bestowed that love on us and extended grace. And so because of that, he's awesome. So the thing that we want you to understand is that it's not about all the things that you can do. It's not about making sure you're earning it. It's not about going out of your way to be great. It's about recognizing that the grace and the mercy of God in your life is abundant no matter where you are. And some of us are trying to work hard enough to deserve grace rather than walking in grace and allowing our pursuit after Christ and standing in grace to make us good enough. And if that's you today, man, like feel weightless for a second, understanding there's nothing you can do good enough that's gonna allow God to accept you. The only reason you can be accepted is because he chose to accept you and offer you forgiveness through Jesus Christ on the cross. Stop having to work so hard to feel good enough and allow Jesus to make you good enough. Repent, walk away from your sins, man. Get away from all of that and take a life. Put your faith in Jesus Christ and pursue after him. Make that part of it. So I wanna give you a breakdown. Sometimes we marry grace and mercy. They go together, but I wanna help you understand the two completely different sides of the definition that they sit on. Mercy, mercy is not receiving what we should get. So in other words, when God showed us mercy when, through the cross, when he shows us mercy, I don't know about you, I recognize because of where I was, because of where I've come from, and because of sin in my life, we don't deserve heaven. I don't deserve it. Matter of fact, I deserve hell. How about you? I like to think I was a pretty good person, but the bottom line, I don't I deserve hell in my life, but the mercy of God in my life has been extended to me that he's not going to give me what I deserve. You guys with me? But grace is in fact giving you what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace is getting what you do not deserve. So I've been extended mercy because I deserve hell and I deserve no good things but yet I get mercy. But not only do I get mercy, he's extending grace to me and that he's gonna give me salvation. He's gonna give heaven to me that I don't deserve. He's gonna give me an amazing wife that I don't deserve. He's gonna give me an amazing child that I don't deserve. He's gonna give me an amazing life that I don't deserve. Why? Strictly because of grace. And sometimes we've gotta get out of this idea that we deserve something. 
and recognize that everything we have is strictly because God is that good. I remember, if those of you will recognize the name, I remember hearing Matt Chandler tell a story uh, of his son. So his son was three years old and his son had a seizure. Um, and when his son had a seizure, they, the, the ambulance came and they got there super quick and they loaded him up into the ambulance and his wife, Lauren, jumped in the ambulance too, obviously. Um, mom jumped in first. And so Matt had to get in his car and he was following the ambulance. And as he was following the ambulance, the ambulance ended up getting away from him. And then he realized, like, I don't even know what hospital they're going to. I don't know where I'm going. I don't really know where I'm at. They had just moved to Texas. Everything was crazy. He didn't know what was going on. And so finally, in a moment of desperation, he just cried cried out to the Lord, like, God, I need you. I need you. But in when he cried out to the Lord, he recognized that he didn't have anything to offer. And I don't know about you, but I've been guilty of trying to play like bargaining chips with the Lord. Like, God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. Or if you do this, I won't do this, this, and this. Or if you do this, I'll do that, and I'll do this. And, and in that moment, recognizing I've got nothing to offer here. Like I've already put my name on the line. I've already said yes. Like I've already given you my life. So I've got nothing to offer here. And in that moment, crying out, and I remember hearing the story for the very first time, and I was, I had like my ugly cry face on. You know how sometimes you got like your cry face and it's not that bad, but then you got the ugly cry face when you like your face gets distorted. Man, I had an ugly cry face on. I had to pull my truck over into the Arby's parking lot, and I was just, I was just weeping because we, this was very shortly after Jabin had got diagnosed. My son, for those of you that's your first time here, my son is sick. And it was, a, it was just after Jabin had got diagnosed. And I remember hearing Matt say, either in grace and mercy, you're gonna heal my son, or in grace and mercy, you're gonna sustain my family in the loss. But you've already been far better to me than I ever deserve. And the Lord had to radically transform my heart because of where I've been in my life. I've been that way with the Lord. God, if you'll heal him, I'll do this, I'll do this, I won't do this, I won't do this, and try to create bargaining chips with the Lord. But I've already said yes. Like I've already put my name on the line. I got nothing to offer you. That's my cry to the Lord. Like, I don't, <laughs> you've already got all of me. So, you know, and sometimes in charismatic circles, we think that if we like get to the altar and we sling enough snot and cry enough and scream enough and dance enough and jump over enough pews, God's gonna do something on our behalf. No friends, he's already been better than he could ever be. By extending grace and mercy to us when we just didn't deserve it. God's that good. So I'll give you these very quickly. How can we pay it forward? <clears throat> How can we pay it forward? Number one, we can give grace to others because grace didn't cost us anything. Sometimes we like to try to leverage people's, how much we give grace to others and extend grace to others based on how we feel they deserve it. Friends, grace didn't cost us anything. Therefore, grace can't cost others anything. Secondly, because we didn't deserve it. We can give grace to others because we're walking in a grace we have no right to. 
Jesus extended it freely in forgiveness. He showed grace to us. And sometimes we like to try to make sure, we wanna hear people apologize the right way or do the right thing. Or if you come at me from this angle, then I'll show you grace. And, or if you, if you go through these steps, or if you, then I'll show you grace. No, 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 grace, we didn't deserve it. How do we hold other people accountable and hold them up to an impossible standard of perfection when Jesus doesn't hold us to an impossible standard of perfection? And then the last thing, we can extend grace because the cross demands it. Jesus died on the cross, pouring his grace out on us, extending grace to us. We now have to turn and show that Matthew 6, 12, scripture says, forgive us as we've forgiven our debtors. Some translations literally say, forgive us to the degree that we forgive those that have offended us. Now, what if the Lord actually only showed grace and mercy to you to the degree that you show grace and mercy to the person that's hurt you the worst? We'd all be in a world of trouble. <laughs> But in his loving kindness, Jesus sat on that cross, arms spread wide, and shown us grace and mercy to take us from where we were to exactly where he wants us to be. And grace is available for you today. Close your eyes across this place. Some of you are in here and the Lord has been Maybe over the past few days, or maybe just since you got here today, maybe someone forced you to come, I don't know. But here you are, and it's almost like the Lord is, something is pulling on your heart. There's a part of you that the Lord is drawing you close to know him. He's choosing you, he's reaching out, he's touching you right now, he's touching your heart. Maybe he's been wooing you for days or maybe just since you got here today, but something in your heart is saying, I need to be radically transformed by the life-giving message of Jesus Christ. I need to pursue him. I need to know him. If that's you in this house today, we wanna introduce you to Jesus. You say, I wanna know Christ. I want him to transform my life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? God bless you. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna come to you. I'm not gonna point you out. I wanna know Jesus today. I want him to transform my heart. God bless you. God bless you. Why don't you put your hand up, you can put it down. Here's what we wanna to do today. Church, we're gonna pray this prayer. This prayer doesn't make you saved. Your faith in Christ alone makes you saved. So if you walk out of here and you're putting your faith in Jesus, that when he died on the cross, he paid the payment for your sins to make you brand new. If that's you today, we're gonna to pray a prayer together and the whole church is gonna pray it with you, but know that strictly your faith in Jesus Christ has made you whole. So say it with me, church, and all those that raise your hands say, Dear Jesus, Forgive me, forgive me of my sins, forgive me of my wrongs, make me pure, make me whole, make me clean. I admit I've sinned and I've done wrong, but I believe that you died on the cross for me and you resurrected 
three days later. So I'm committing to you my life, my heart, to follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, put your hands together for all those that prayed it for the very first time.